disclaimer, consider this, this episode of it will probably be okay contains the expression of ideas that are contrary to the recommendations of the American Dental Association. The American Dental Association exists to power the profession of dentistry and to assist in advancing overall oral health. Find out more at ADA.org, and consider becoming a member. And recording. Well, I had my birthday last week. That's right. We rented a boat and went out on the river oh, in Milwaukee. Awesome. Yeah. I saw those videos. I drove the boat, which, you know, do, do no you one could believe. No. Hmm. You know, Nikenji, every time we're walking um, down by the lake and Michelle sees those um, sailboats, she always, I mean, that's one of her dreams is to go on those. So she's, you know, she's always like, oh, I can't believe Nikenji got to go on those all those times. <laughs> like, just sign up or something. No. <laughs> This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded August 12, 2020. Today on It Will Probably Be Okay, your three splendid chipper hosts dive deep on a topic that is part of our lives every single day. Of course, including many hilarious and thrilling digressions. So let's talk social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Nick, and I'm a friend of Tom from MySpace. My name is Gabe Wallenberg, and I think Kamala probably would have picked Joe. <laughs> and I'm Mackenzie, and I am frazzled because I just started a new job. Yay, me! Hooray! I also have this one. Can I do this one just for yeah. fun? Yeah, do I'm it. I'm Gabe Wallenberg, and I give long, rambling speeches, but why hasn't anyone published a book of my beautiful poems? <laughs> What is this in reference to? McSweeney's guys published a book called The Beautiful Poetry of Donald J. Trump, and they took his speeches word for word, some of his worst, best speeches, uh, and set them with jagged endings so it looks like poetry. And it's it's amazing. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It is so good. All right, so before we get started, let's have some mini topics, Nikanji. My husband had a flat tire, and so this morning I had to suspend my ideal of going for a walk to relax. Like, that is not working out for me, guys. To go drive, pick him up so he could drop me back home and he could take my car. And this afternoon, we he purchased a hyper-tough, because we didn't have a jack or mm. that other thing. And that shit sucks. It is trash. So here we are attempting to get the jack to go up. And we finally find the right place to put it. I don't think I've ever changed a tire by myself in my life. So I'm like learning this too. So we finally find a place to put it. And it fucking collapses. Oh, no. You know how the, the jack usually has like two feet at the very bottom to be flat? Mm -hmm. And then mm-hmm. the middle thing is like a, a rhombus, kind of like a square. Yeah, like so like a standard sort of scissors jack, right? Yeah. And the one side of the foot just bent all the way back. So it just like fell over. 
And we were just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. We're going to just have somebody come, like, get change the fucking tire. And, like, we're going to just put that shit on the fucking credit card. Because at this point, it's just like, what the fuck? I've been there. I've had it happen to me, too. What exactly? That, the like, black the, tire, the jack? Both. Both. Ugh. You know, you really haven't lived until you find out on the side of the highway that the car you're driving has one of those stupid lug locks that lug bolt oh, locks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The good news is, and this might have been appropriate for the last show, the worst and best Christmas present I get every year is my membership in AAA. Mm. Um, because AAA will come and fix a tire for you, no charge, no foul, nothing, anytime, anywhere, even if it's not your car. So that has been a thing when I was driving a lot, that was, that has, was a thing that was real important, but I'm telling you I, as an adult, the difference between being an adult and a 10 year old is that AAA is the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> that Whoa. is on my list. Like I have a list of things to like, I am going to get when I can afford to do more than just survive. And I'm actually going to put that on my list yeah. of things to Together. Well, in, in in that case, Nakenji, you could have just stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, could have. you would have just stayed home. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's my mini topic. It's fun being old. <laughs> <sighs> my mini topic this week um, really is a little bit of a rehash, but I have a fresh take on it. I think. Now, it's not a surprise here that I'm an anti-dentite, that I clearly have an issue with dentists and their motorcycle driving habits. And I recognize that that's a personality flaw. I'm trying to get better. But the truth is, dentistry is a joke and a farce. And it, Wow. And Tell us how you really feel. Dentistry is just a way for uh, people to pay for their motorboats and Harley Davidsons <laughs> and pretend they're doctors and make people call them doctors, even though they're just <laughs> fucking dentists. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to have to cut all of this. Uh, <laughs> and here's the thing. This week, 250,000 dentists drove their motorcycles into a little town oh. in South Dakota None of which were wearing a mask because that's for the working man. That's the work job daytime. I'm not going to wear a mask when I'm not at work. This is freedom or a helmet or have a motorcycle that makes a reasonable amount of noise when I drive it through my neighborhood in the middle of the night. No, none of those things matter to the dentist because dentists have got to get to Sturgis, <laughs> South Dakota, and celebrate all that is debauched dentist lifestyle can be freedom. The freedom of the dentists is being celebrated in Sturgis right now. Now, people just, I don't care how many of you go to Sturgis. If you were wearing masks, I'd be like, great, it's fine. But not wearing masks during a pandemic and having 250,000 motorcycle enthusiasts go to a town that is built for maybe 8,000 people. Mm -hmm. 250,000? Yeah. 
a quarter million. And and from what I understand from some of the reading that I have done on it, the town actually did not want this to go forward. Correct. Correct. That's what I've read about it as well. Yeah, 250,000 people are expected to arrive in South Dakota. Now, not all of them are going to be dentists, to be fair. But, you know, who else can afford a Harley Davidson? So, and, and wants one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and would understand that this is a part of how they live and their freedom. Because I've been to Sturgis off season. I was curious. They had a couple of breweries. Mm. And I thought when I was out there, I would stop at Sturgis and go to a brewery. and. Have you ever stayed a little too long at Summerfest? <laughs> every, time I'm I'm, about? every time yeah. I go. <laughs> right. And you're like, everybody else is kind of gone. And you're just sort of like a little drunker than you should be out in the middle of the Miller Pavilion shouting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Imagine showing up to that and that's what you see. You're like, this is what this is all about. <laughs> so so we got there and then we were, I'm there with my daughter and my wife and we're in this this brewery in Sturgis and we're sitting in the, the tent and having an incredibly mediocre beer. Mm-hmm. And like the guy next to us is is trying to proposition a hooker next to me. I don't know. I can't remember. But like, so my wife and my daughter are like, drink that fucking beer and let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And so I drank like two really mediocre beers really fast and then recorded this song that I would like to share with you all. Sturgis is a shithole, it's a shithole in South Dakota. (laughs) There's drunken people, they send you across the street, across the bar, because one bar serves food, the other serves beer, and all the bars are gross. (laughs) Why do you sound like Woody (laughs) Harrelson? And that is my mini topic for this week. <laughs> I like the song. Thanks. <laughs> there is, of course, a YouTube video that supports it with like pictures of us at the Sturges bar. <laughs> but I took that off my YouTube list a few years ago when the kids at the middle school started to ask ah, questions. Those kids. In 2008, I put an essay on my Facebook page that I called I Hate My Friends Interpreting Facebook. Let me read a few segments before we jump into our conversation tonight. I was recently having a discussion with a colleague at work about whether Facebook was for stalkers or narcissists. In a micro sense, this debate is significant. In a macro sense, it's probably one of the least important implications of social networking. The most common rationale I hear repeatedly in defense of Facebook is that it helps us keep in touch with each other. This seems savvy, And I'm sure in some cases it's even true, yet I don't think that is the reason most people are friends on Facebook. We are changing the definition of what a friend is. We all desire the same thing from Facebook. We want to see others fail. Though we are ashamed to admit it, we enjoy the more lurid things in life. But in this desire to see failure, which is all about perception really, we are challenging an even larger time-tested truth, which is this. People are meant to go away. There is no legitimate reason that I should know what is going on with someone I haven't seen since high school graduation. After all, I haven't seen them for a reason. 
we aren't friends. Yet now, thanks to Facebook, we are, and I struggle to come to terms with what that really means. There is nothing beyond a callow desire to see people fail on a more personal level than was previously possible that gives Facebook any redeeming intrinsic value. And this is what troubles me most, because before Facebook, those desires could rarely be met in any meaningful way, and we were better off for it. Here's an example. Let's say an acquaintance from high school breaks up with his girlfriend. I'll probably never hear about it. If I do, it'll be from most likely, at best, a tertiary source that won't have any specific knowledge beyond the breakup happening and maybe some suspect gossip about why it went down. If I do even consider this beyond the cursory nature I'd consider anything, it'd probably be on a very basic, meaningless level. Then, assuming I was out, I'd get drunk and probably forget that I was even told. However, let's say this person is my friend on Facebook. All of a sudden, I am informed that they are now single. I can go to their page, potentially, and see how they feel on their status update, check out pictures of the formerly happy couple, read their wall correspondence, and myriad other things. This is impossible to resist. The problem with all this information is that none of it is good information. It's information overload, and it's very easy to get hung up on. We're making the basic mistake of lionizing more information as opposed to better information. And the fact is that quantity is never better than quality. We aren't supposed to know. How many times have you gotten a friend request from someone from your past without any other correspondence? This person wants to know your dirty laundry. They want to watch you fail. Have you ever talked with someone before and asked a question but already knew the answer because of Facebook? It gives you a slightly creepy sensation. You shouldn't possess this information, but you do. Maybe sometimes you are even asking a question that you already know the answer to, so you can in turn ask a question that you couldn't have asked if you didn't know the information. There is something very wrong with all of this. I wrote another essay later in 2008 that was called Strange Troubling Times, Facebook as Big Brother. You can probably get the gist of that just from the title. Many of us worry about government overreach into our lives, yet we happily put tons of info on the internet for anyone to see. This is probably my own construction, but it almost seems like when we as a society decided between MySpace and Facebook, we were also deciding that we no longer desired anonymity on the internet. We want it to be ourselves, or more accurately, our best perception of ourselves. In short, I've been critical of social media since 2008, yet as technology has rapidly advanced, I am still on multiple platforms. So that's kind of just like what got me thinking about this. And, and really, when I saw the date of those essays, how, how long the, these, this has been in our lives. So what I want to know from you two first is what was your earliest use of social media? My answer is going to be long and complicated, so I'd like to let Nikenji start. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't have a long and complicated answer, huh? Um, um, you, you might, but mine involves Usenet and a BBS called Viking. Okay, so I'm glad you bring that up because mm-hmm. I was thinking, does AIM and uh, Microsoft oh. Messenger count? Like, those are like technically messengers, but as it was, as it presented itself, it was the social media of its time. But anyway. Um, I think it's a precursor. Yeah, it's like, it's like a precursor. I remember going home when we were like. 14 or so and the thing to do after school was to just go home and talk to everybody that you had seen an hour ago but Mm -hmm. if we're gonna do social media social media i don't really recall having a myspace but i do think i had a facebook page about 2006 because i remember uploading shit tons of photos from like various events and parties i Mm -hmm. went to that was the thing so yeah yeah that 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 facebook Back in the day, in the golden age. 
in the golden age of Facebook. What about you, Gabe? So <clears throat> I'm busily calculating backwards on my fingers trying to figure out the numbers of years between things and where I lived and what computer I was using at the time trying to answer this question. I first discovered the internet roughly 1994 or so. I'd been in college for about a year and a half and I learned of the internet from a roommate and he was having these fantastic conversations with his friend from England he would stay up late at night and talk on a modem connection in the dorm. And I thought that was really neat and interesting. So I got into that and I bought a little 2400 baud modem for my uh, Macintosh 145B. And being able to whistle into the UWW's VAX email system and establish what was then called a SLP connection, might be a PPP connection. I can't remember the exact details. Please don't email me. But the short version, too late, is that I became engrossed in a text-based chat environment, like hangout chat room that had all of the things that Facebook would become, but experienced in text postings and commands. And on that, that BBS, which was, you could tell that into from any internet connection, if you knew how to do it, there were people spread out across different rooms having conversations, maybe a thousand people. Wow. You just Most gave me a memory. Uh, oh, good times. Pretending I was eight. I was eight. Pretending I was 16. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I got connected to this weird thing and became sort of a, you know, jokester on the Internet like you do in 1996 and would whistle in from my dorm and made these friends at this college in Oswego, New York, and like had these weird relationships with these people who I'd met once at uh, locally, but mostly didn't know and became friends with some of the nerds in the engineering program who I would have never talked to otherwise mm. um, through interacting on this. So that's my first experience with social on the Internet. But it probably isn't my first experience with social media. My first experience with social media, I'm just going to say, as we know it today, I was, I'm pretty OG on Twitter. Um, not super OG, but still pretty OG on Twitter. I have an older Twitter account. I used to get Twitter on SMS. Like I would mm. get Twitter texted to my phone to use it because there were few enough people on it. You could follow it and you would just get the stream. Like you would just get the pipeline. That was Crazy. before engagement became a thing. So you could just get one, two, three, four. You could be a, com a Twitter completionist and actually read all of Twitter. And through my involvement in a, a tech meetup group in Milwaukee, I got to know a lot of the local Milwaukee tech scene. And so we got to know each other through Twitter. I stayed away from Facebook as long as I could, but it's like trying to stay away from water. My first social media platform, though, was... Flickr. Oh. I loved me some Flickr. And that's where I met Pete, who I eventually got connected with the Milwaukee Tech Group. And 
and Twitter through. So using Flickr at my job to publish photos for the newspaper because I didn't like their back end. Mm. I wanted people to be able to see my photos bigger and better. Sure. Uh, so I would post them uh, on, on Flickr and Flickr had back in the day had great communities. Like it was an amazing community of people and photographers teaching each other and showing off and doing cool things. So sure. I would say my first, my first social media, I feel like, like live journal was like a little bit of a precursor oh, to social yeah. media. I was kind of into that like pop punk slash emo kind of sad kids late two thousand late two late nineties, early two thousands. And then I did MySpace for a while. Did Nikenji, you said you didn't Gabe, did you ever do MySpace? I did not do the MySpace because I was never that music motivated. Mm. Yeah, and it was a very, just, yeah. but I was hard down hard in in live journal, and I'm just digging right now to see if I don't it's still think I good. ever had a live journal. I'm, I did go into chat rooms when I was eight. That was all the rage. I think it was uh, like chatrooms.com. Something really <laughs> simple, and always going and ASL, 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 yeah. So. Let's. How often do you use social media not for work on a daily basis? Mm. Mm. I'm. I. Gabe, you go. I want to pull up an app that I use to track this shit. I don't keep track of it. I will tell you, pre-COVID, I used it a lot less. I had pretty much stopped using Facebook, except for the occasional daily sort of, "Hey, look at this." Uh, connection that someone in my immediate space would give to me. But post COVID, I'd say probably three, three times a day, I probably do a little bit of doom scrolling on Facebook just to try to keep up. And I have been reading Twitter, but I don't post to Twitter much anymore, except to occasionally gripe about something or be silly or dumb. <laughs> and because in a lot of cases, it's the only way to get stuff off of your Nintendo. Oh, so if you want to post something from the switch, like you can either ah. pull the memory card out and plug it into your computer or you can just post it on Twitter. And so that's why I, my Twitter feed is such a hot mess of animal crossing pictures. So yeah, I mean, and that maybe I, so I maybe check Twitter once a day. I scroll through uh, Instagram at night before I go to bed. And then I'm disappointed that I've already seen all that content as pushed through on Facebook. And that's it right now. Unless you count YouTube, which I don't post to YouTube as much as I did previously, but I don't use it as a social. It's more of a media repository for me. Well, for me, I deleted my Twitter and I deleted my TikTok apps, but I couldn't help myself. And I started going on to Chrome to see Twitter. Mm -hmm. So I have been doing that about 10 hours a week which is actually pretty good for me and mostly that has a lot to do with the fact that I don't really get to do it in the morning anymore I know that I'm working or whatever um, I don't really do it during the day and then by the time the evening comes then Robert's home and there's no time to do the doom scrolling that I used to do but it definitely was way more than that when <laughs> working very regularly oh twitter yeah I, I would say for me my favorite is twitter i check that most regularly i 
you know, I've cultivated my follow list pretty carefully so that I kind of get the the different types of information that I'm looking for and the different types of news and things like that. I, I actually like I deleted Facebook for about a week and I felt like I didn't really miss it that much. I the, my struggle with Facebook, like you mentioned about YouTube Gabe is for me like it's kind of like a place that I like to use as a photo repository to categorize everything and kind of put it together but obviously you you know you can't only use it that way so yeah I, I would say you know I check I check each one multiple times a day but I never stay on for very long and I always feel vaguely unfulfilled after I'm done unless I find something really cool like hey this new beer's at the store or hey my favorite sports team signed this player that I like or whatever but I, I would say most of the time it's a pretty pretty empty transaction let's talk about Facebook do you have a favorite or a least favorite thing about Facebook? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I hate Facebook with a passion of a thousand burning suns. <laughs> so my least favorite thing about Facebook is the algorithm. Mm, yes. If I, I think if we drilled down that to my my dripping hatred of Facebook, it would be the algorithm. Just that it it serves you like weird content that then like not in any kind of order. I think it's because I'm spoiled because I'm used to chronological and a lot of changes that Facebook made, I was able to adapt to, but I like to be able to consume my content and know that I have seen everything mm -hmm. and then I, I can thus move on. Facebook, it's not chronological anymore, and I never got over it. But also, I don't get any value from Facebook anymore because when I first came to America, that was my way to, like, stay in contact with sure. my friends in Barbados and then, like, my, my family in Barbados. And now that I've been in America for 12 years, there's less of that. I mean, there's really zero of that. So Facebook isn't of any value to me. And anybody I want to talk to or communicate with, I have on WhatsApp or I message. So like that as a social channel of maintaining a connection is not a thing that I do. Also, this is really long, but also I do it every day. So I have zero interest in doing that. And then also Facebook is rather performative and I'm no longer interested in sharing anything <laughs> about my life. Part of that has to do with that myself. Image is in the trash. So like I'm not sharing photos of myself because I hate to see that shit. So it just is not, it's not one of those platforms that it doesn't teach me anything. And that's, that's due to the algorithm. Like I don't learn anything new on Facebook. It's like, like we're, we're, we're going to talk later, like, but like TikTok, I learn shit every mm -hmm. single time I go on Facebook. It is the echoiest echo chamber of the most dastardly portions of the internet that there is when it comes to social. Which is amazing because that's not what it started out as. And as the baby boomers got their Facebook accounts, it kind of became that. I remember I made a friend. I remember I finished my first year in undergrad and I was in New York during the summer and I wanted to make friends. And I remember I searched for people under a certain age who are in college, who lived in New York, like Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx. Sure. And that's how I made one of, like, we don't talk every day, but we are still cool. But, like, 
that's how I made friends that summer. Like I made one and a half friends, but like you can't do that on Facebook anymore. No. At all. And so, because I mean, oh my gosh, there be, to be able to, I, and this is privacy reasons and I totally understand it, but like, know the position that I'm in, I would want to search for people with my same demographic background to be like, I literally messaged like 20 people that, that summer. I was like, hey, I'm really new to the city and like, I've never like spent a summer here. Like, like I just like, are you interested in like hanging out and just like, you know, making friends? You couldn't do that shit now. It's a whole new world. <laughs> what about you, Gabe? What, what, kind of what comes to your mind when you think about things you either like or dislike about Facebook? I am going to try to come off as honestly as possible in this. And I will say that there was a time when Facebook was valuable. And even at that time, I disliked its closed nature. I kind of came up on the world of what happens online is online always and forever and for everyone to see. And so, you know, I, I blogged and I live journaled and I, you know, had my own URL eventually that hosted on Yahoo domains. And so I think that the internet made us better when we didn't have to participate in it to participate in it, right? What I love is I could look at blogs of people and read their blogs and they wouldn't have to know who I was and I could mm-hmm. I could be anonymous to them. They wouldn't know if I was looking at them. Facebook had this thing where if you wanted to participate in it, you had to willingly give over all of you, who you were, right? You had to sign up and you had to log in and you had to have your name. And, and that's what I never liked about it. I always found it a a hindrance to organization because when I got the most value out of Facebook, not everybody was on it. And then eventually they added all of these weird groups and events and all of these features where people were organizing things on it that could have, with just a little bit of effort, been organized in an open platform where you could just share it without having to log in and indicate whether or not you were going. And so we called that the walled garden and, you know, playing behind Facebook's walled garden meant that the Internet that wasn't on Facebook was left out. Do you guys remember Diaspora? No. Did you ever hear of that? Diaspora was an open source, non-walled garden Facebook clone that was supposed to be the alternative to Facebook. It went real strong for about a week and then went away, like like all of those do. Yeah. Right. And. Oh, I wanted Diaspora to work so well, and it just didn't. And I think, you know, as people moved into Facebook and it became synonymous with the Internet for others, for other people, we just, you know, (laughs) it just stopped being useful to me. So I eventually stopped using Facebook entirely, except for sort of now the occasional scroll through to see what's the haps might peep. And when it transitioned into a news delivery service, which it is very poorly suited for. <laughs> yes. That's when I think I really kind of lost all faith for it. But you can't have a, a kid in America today and not have a Facebook. There are there are communication channels that are only effectively delivered to you for required things 
across Facebook channels. If you want to know when the local archery club is open and you refuse to use Facebook, guess what? They haven't paid for their website in 10 years. Yeah. And they're not going to. And so you have to log into Facebook to see it. And that's what I hate the most about Facebook mm-hmm. is that you shouldn't have to log in to use it. Totally. Yeah. I, mine kind of echoes yours in, in, in a little way, Gabe. The thing I dislike most about Facebook is how they allowed like basically like allowed for the degradation of our entire country based on them letting Russian disinformation be posted there and confuse all the baby boomers into voting for Donald Trump. So that would be my (laughs) least favorite thing. Um, You know, and as a student of, of, of communications, like I don't disagree that Facebook has a certain degree of culpability for distributing that kind of information, but I I don't think that you can fairly assign all blame to the publishers in those cases, just because there is got to be some obligation to be a critical thinker. Facebook is, is an echo chamber in a way where like, I feel like something like Reddit, which I I wouldn't classify as social media, but I I feel like Reddit is a little bit more, it pulls from like a lot of different sources. You don't know the people who are sharing the things. So you've got to use your critical thinking where on Facebook, it's like, oh, hey, I know this person. I know what they think. So I I think this article is bullshit or I totally agree with this. I don't even have to read it. Well, and Facebook feeds that tribal Mm-hmm. Uh, mentality, right? Like yeah. the us versus them is is hard coded into Facebook's experience. So yeah, Facebook is all about picking sides. Yeah, Reddit does have its issues, but it does harken back to the discussion board era a little bit more. I think you're right there. Now there was a competitor to Reddit that I liked a lot, and I cannot think of the name of it. It was Dig. Dig, yeah. Do you guys remember Dig? I do. Dig was a cool service, but it was a popularity contest. Yeah. And it became even more untenable. Like the mob would just take over Dig. But I liked Dig. I liked Reddit. I don't know. I think that all of them are interesting. But the thing that that has led, if I could blame either of them, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and all of them, for the paywalls that have gone up on journalist websites, mm-hmm. uh, I would blame I would I would blame them all because that yeah. is the worst. Yeah, that is the end of our democracy. The paywalls on information and the fact that they opened the paywalls briefly during the beginning of the pandemic yeah. and now have closed it down again has just made me hate the New York Times all over. Yeah, again. like I was like reading the New York Times, going, I don't hate this as much as I used to, and now it's like I go to read it and I can't read it, and I go, well. Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk Twitter. Nikenji, you said you got rid of your Twitter. What was it that that made you do that? What don't you like about Twitter? I try to not follow too many people, but I've reached that bait, that part where you I get to the refreshing my Twitter feed part where it's like can somebody please tweet something so I have something else to like read? So it's a mixture of that getting really like obsessive about to about like seeing what's new and then also just utter frustration because like for example I stopped looking at Twitter today when Kamala got announced and people were having arguments about 
the fact that she her her dad is Jamaican and her mother is Indian and whether or not she was black or not. And I'm just like, <laughs> are you <Forget> stupid? <laughs> <laughs> so like there's it's usually something like really no one outrageous. was paying attention. They don't. Facebook is particularly hellish, but Twitter is like an intellectual discussion on some particularly like fraught topics where I just have to be like, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> well, and... the the real I mean, my issue with Twitter, because I was a Twitter believer for so long and Nikenji, you know, you used I've watched you use Twitter for conversation and for good. Like it, it was a thing that was happening. I've seen you do it and it took a lot of work. Like it was intentional. Right. But like you, you did a good job of it. And then I don't know, then it just stopped being good. The trolling on Twitter is out mm -hmm. of control. Yes, definitely. Um, I can't imagine what people who have a massive amount of followers go through on Twitter because yeah, I can't, mm. I mean, like I still get excited when I get an at feed from some, an at reply from somebody once in a while. Right. I mean, somebody like my latest animal crossing, picture but like <laughs> i don't know uh twitter could have been good and then they dumped the timeline and started started pushing the 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 follow lists and becoming this sort of mainstream gossip platform and it just lost me i guess i don't know I, I like I like Twitter, like I said, because I feel like I I I don't use it for like personal connections with people I know, but I use it for news and information. And I and I feel and I feel like it's it's really valuable there. But I would I would say yeah, the the fact that you you don't even have the option to put things in chronological order is just maddening. Let's talk about other platforms. Are there other platforms that you use and you love? Are there other platforms that you tried and you hated? I tried, what is that disappearing app again? Snapchat, fucking hated it. Yeah, fucking I hated it too. Loved it. My memory's not good enough to remember shit that you said four hours ago. So like, I've forgotten that entire conversation and I, I just don't know. I don't like my messages to fucking disappear. <laughs> I, yes, Snapchat was actually the first one, like where I actually felt old because I was like, <laughs> I don't really understand the point of this. It's like it's just pictures that disappear. Like this just doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to come off as a creep, but I was disappointed every like. I thought Snapchat was the dick pics platform. I thought that was its whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's. Maybe it was. And, there were probably and articles I, published about such so, such fright at. Oh my god, the teenagers have disappearing messages. What could they possibly yeah. be doing with it? And like, I can just tell you that when I first tried it and got no dick pics, I was really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I never picked it back up. <laughs> you just expected to open it up and just yeah, like voila. who am I following? Here we go. Hey, finally. Uh, so yeah that's obviously uh, not true but it could be in another universe 
Snapchat, though, I never got because I don't like the idea of fleeting photography. And I have a conversation regularly with my daughter, Gaia, that says, Gaia, please back up your photos, save your photos. I know that your generation doesn't think they're important, but there will come a day when you will regret not saving all of that data because it doesn't cost anything to save it. Well, that's not true. It costs a little to save it. And it's not like it's going to disappear like my parents. Like if my parents could have access to every photograph they ever took in their whole life, they would. I know they would like it. And they can't like their photos were lost in floods and set on fire. And you know what I mean? Like we have the ability to preserve your photographic image forever. Please do it. I was actually the other day, I was looking at some old pictures on Facebook and I handed it to my wife and then she, she hadn't realized, but then she did realize from our conversation that I, I'm a pretty good photo taker and I post a lot of the photos from like trips and stuff on Facebook. So we're both kind of on my page on our own phones, kind of looking at pictures from different trips and stuff like that. And honestly, for me, it was jogging memories that I would have never retained without those pictures. And it it seemed more than worth, you know, the the cost and having them up there. It, It was really fun. And that's the my Flickr feed right now. Flickr, I, I shouldn't say this out loud. Flickr has me for life. They have my daughter's baby pictures sure. and can hold them for ransom for whatever yearly fee they want to charge me. So I would say um, my favorite other social media platform probably is Untapped, which is a, a beer focused social network where you basically just take pictures of your beer and check into your beer. And, and I just love it. It helps me categorize what I drink. It helps me realize what I, what beer is out in the market. I've used it many times to look at what people are drinking at different bars or restaurants and then like went to, you know, specifically went to those places because I had something that I wanted to try on tap. So I would definitely say that is my favorite social media platform. I like untapped a lot. I don't use it enough mostly because I stopped thinking of it now that it's always just drinking at home alone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I like Untapped a lot with the exception of, I always feel like people don't look at the Untapped pictures enough because like they're all exactly the same. So no one ever looks at it. Yeah, yeah, totally. But like I make a huge effort to put something dumb in the background of my photos whenever I can. (laughs) Like, you need to look at my untapped people. Like, listen, like, I put something just dumb on the TV just to have. <laughs> oh, that's good. Nikenji, you, you mentioned TikTok. I don't use TikTok. I don't understand it. You said you learn from TikTok. Tell me about that. So with TikTok, some, some of it is a cultural things. So I learned a lot about... There's a Pacific Islander trend song where people would introduce their cu- their cultures. And so I saw a lot of Pacific Islander culture and then Native American culture. Then sometimes I'm on cat TikTok, which is like a whirlwind be- whirlpool because I can't say no to watching the TikTok about cats over and over again. But I've learned about like sign language, um, dealing with people with uh, disabilities. I follow some people, some doctors for mental health stuff, relationship stuff, chiropractors, 
I don't really follow like cooking people, so it doesn't really come up in my feed. But every now and again, I come across something that's worth saving. Then there's usually like a lot of humor. So like I'm always learning something and I'm always having something that I would love. Like I always end up sharing like, oh, look, this is hilarious. Or, oh, my gosh, she's talking about how to be at peace with yourself. And this part is like so hard. And I tried it and I cried. So for me, TikTok is just I can actually stay on TikTok for hours. And now TikTok does this thing where it's like like self-care where they're like, oh, um, when was the last time you took a break? Or if it's late enough, it's like, um, you should probably go to sleep now. And so I had to make a point of whenever those came up in my feed, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. And like, I'll I'll go go to bed at like three o'clock after thinking, oh, let me just check this up at at 11. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, TikTok has an amazing capacity for brain candy, you know, because it's short and it bursts and people on it are just doing some incredibly clever uh, writing and comedy. I, I don't watch TikTok except in the compilations sure. on YouTube. Uh, but like I tried it. I tried doing a few. I even had a few I thought were pretty good. But like I, I got to the point where I I it's not worth the time and effort for me to produce for TikTok, but yeah, sitting and watching it, like, I don't know, something like similar, similar to Vine was where it's just that six to 12 seconds of video. It's just like leaves you in this sort of serotonin drooling smile place that just makes the hurting stop for a few minutes. Well, that sounds <laughs> and in that, and in that regard, like that's exactly why they have the self care on there. Right. Like I can tell you that my students struggle to be disconnected from both Snapchat and TikTok, you know, back when we had schools that kids went to, they, they had a hard time. What, what do you guys think is going to happen with social media? What, what do you think is going to stick around? Do you think anything's going to go? Do you see <laughs> I have this one. I have this one real quick. I have an easy one for this. And I say it all the time. Welcome to new media. It's just like the old media. Social media is now currently almost complete with its transition into old media. I, that's really my opinion. Like I see the writing on the wall. The boomers moved into Facebook and turned it into television because <laughs> that's what they like. And that's where <laughs> social media is going to be television. You know, honestly, like. And you'd think for a group that's so television focused that it would be easier to get Facebook videos on TV, but it's not. It's a pain in the ass no matter what you do. <laughs> Nakenji, what do you what do you see when you look into your crystal ball? My crystal ball one. Facebook is gonna continue to gobble up interesting or could potentially interesting, useful, practical social media that might even blossom under the the concrete. Facebook's going to gobble them up and bite them out, and it's going to stifle competition. Then it's going to be forced to break up. And then specific to social media as a whole, I feel like... As things become more complex, they just become websites. Everyone is a power user of social media at this point to some degree. And 
there's just going to be a swing back to like, not necessarily like we're never going to use social media again, but people are going to become a lot more discerning about the, the social media they do use and what they do post. So yeah. Um, few, the kids today, Oh, I said that I'm officially old. <laughs> um, but the kids today have a fear of hidden cameras. They have been taught like, do not be seen by cameras. You don't know where they're pointed at. Mm-hmm. That's going to inform the future of the web that Nikenji describes, where it becomes a simpler, less complicated system. I think that you are right on with that, Nikenji, but I will also say that it's going to divide more and more. Google used to be a revolution and now it needs to be revolutionized again because you simply cannot Google search for a simple set of instructions on how to accomplish a basic thing and get those instructions written out in text. For fun, I'm going to Google right now how to clean a cast iron pan and the first thing it gives you is a video Mm -hmm. how to clean a cast iron pan i don't want to watch a video yeah (laughs) I I, i want to read a page that says use hot water like right like don't use soap use hot water end of story this video is four and a half minutes long (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've experienced that exact thing you're talking about where it's just like i just want to read how to do this quick no here's a video and then i'm like fucking fast forwarding in the video like trying to get to like the part that i need to know i always listen at two times normal yeah (laughs) i would say my kind of thought about the future i don't know if either of you saw the movie or read the book the circle by dave eggers the book was better as is tradition but yeah like i i i would agree with nikenji i i don't see facebook going away i I can can see it continuing to be the monolith of social media and it just permeating the culture and and seeding the culture more and more in order for anything to really change about social media as we have it right now, we need to get to a different place on Maslow's hierarchy, right? As a country, (laughs) like right now, we don't have time to rewrite our intellectual property and publishing laws. That's not a a high priority, but at some point that's needs to come, right? We need to be able to have the, to be able to look back at the times we're living in right now and say, Here's how social media broke this, and here's how social media helped it, and here's how we're going to change regulatory environments so that it this can't happen anymore. And I don't know what that answer is, but I, I do think that, again, I think the key is that, that Facebook's not going to go anywhere in short term, you know, and it, it should. Like, people should just wise up because what they're voluntarily giving to Facebook is a terrifying amount of information. That being said, I give the same to Google also every all day long. If Google wanted to right now, they could tell you who will win the election. Sure. And sometimes I wonder 
if it's worth having the election. Oh God! Because That's, Google knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Like they they can tell you here is what will happen. Right? They know enough about the population. Have you seen the Andrew Yang suggestion that we should be paid for our data? He was yeah. a presidential candidate, and he he also kind of advocated this idea that like what you're putting on the internet is worth money to these companies, and you should be compensated for it. Do you use a shoppers club card at the local grocery store? Nope. Wait, do you mean like how Pick and Save has their little card thingy yep. that I put on my yep. keychain and I swipe when I'm there? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. That is amazing data. Amazing data. Mm-hmm. Have you ever typed in your phone number instead of using that one, using that code? I always you know, say Have you ever typed in the phone number of someone you don't like? Because you're buying things you don't want anyone to know you're buying. (laughs) No, I haven't. But tell me more. (laughs) Have you ever cut the barcode off of one Shoppers Club card and taped it over another Shoppers Club card? (laughs) Why would one do that? Because... It's good to throw a little chaff in the data from time to time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chaotic good, I think, is what they call that. Just, just a little razzle-dazzle to keep them on their toes. <laughs> I would not sign up for the latest iteration of the Pick and Save Shoppers card for the longest time because I could just type in my mom's phone number. I live in my hometown. I knew that she had a card. Oh my god. And that is why they won't pay you for your data. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Cory Doctorow wrote a lot about this too. The idea that this data is stuff that you would not only give away freely, but like they can pretty accurately identify potential terrorists with. Right. And like, it's ridiculous. They can't do it. It's not accurate. But like, if you get all the data, then you can really start oppressing certain types of people, people who buy chickpeas, for example. Right. He always said, you know, people who buy chickpeas are probably within a certain demographic. And if you want a list of those people, you can buy it. Damn it. I buy chickpeas. I do, too. I'm on the list. Why? Because. I love hummus. Me too. Apparently, I like hummus, and I like the one with roasted red peppers mm-hmm. and garlic. Make um, your own. It changes the world. Yeah, yes, it does. So what did we learn from our conversation today? We learned that AAA is the best Christmas present ever if you're over 10 years old. We learned that no one likes Snapchat. (laughs) And we learned that it's important to throw a chaff in the data from time to time. But I think what we all agree on is that social media is here to stay. And part of participating in society is figuring out which social media is right for you. And as long as you didn't decide on Google Plus, it will probably be okay. (laughs) 
That is brilliant. Eight out of ten didn't disagree.